This is Bonjour Chai, the MoraCore edition. I'm Avi Flangold in Montreal. I'm here with Phoebe Maltzbovi in Toronto and a special guest host, Jesse Martin Miller, joining us from Los Angeles. We are your Frozen Chosen. On today's show, we are talking uh, deeper about Tradwives. Uh, we spoke about this briefly uh, previously, and uh, we're going to get a little more into it because Passover is coming up and we're all Tradwives these days. Je suis Tradwife. Um, we are going to get into the Vogue uh, Torah teacher aesthetic and uh, so many other topics um all of this coming right up so uh jesse welcome to bonjour hi um it's so great to have you uh jesse for those of you who don't know jesse martin miller is a writer who is originally from calgary he's now living in los angeles california he is the author of the hugely popular bagel emoji Substack. how's it going jesse i'm doing great how are you Ari? i am well uh phoebe how are you doing these days all right um yeah i was expecting to see i can see we can see each other on video and i was expecting to see an actual emoji of a bagel and yet there is this human being so I'm just processing that a little that bit. A lot. I get that a lot. Yeah. Is it hard to be a bagel emoji at Passover? I do feel a little bit canceled, but mm-hmm. after I always do think that I can come back strong. Fair enough. Absolutely. Let's let's get let's dive right into this. Um, Phoebe explained to us what Tradwives was a couple weeks ago. Jesse, mm-hmm. give us your take. What is a Tradwife? Why is this a thing in society? And uh, why are we even talking about this right now? I'm so glad we're talking about this because I actually love trad wives. Um, trad wives are usually Christian. They're young. They're conventionally attractive. Um, and they're content creators on platforms like TikTok. It used to be YouTube. It's sort of like this natural sequel to the housewife blogger era, but with this sort of sexy reactionary twist. Um, and one of the questions that you had asked in the last episode was, are there any Jewish trad wives? And that people had sent you some, and I was looking at them. And it's true that there are like Jewish traditional wives, like, but there are very, very few who like adhere to this label, which I think is so interesting. Um, but of course, the sort of like shining example that everyone thinks of when they think of Jewish trad wives is Abby Shapiro. And in a way, she's kind of the only, like, Jewish trad wife, but also not a very good trad wife if you, like, look at the sort of milieu that the rest of them are operating in because she just really doesn't fit in. It's also sort of interesting because when she would create Jewish content, she would minimize her Jewish identity or sort of cheesecloth it using language that Jews don't really use. For example, she'd talk about Shabbat and she'd say, oh, this is how I'm getting ready for Sabbath. And then also go on in the same breath to say that she doesn't really keep Shabbat anymore anyway. Um, she like doesn't necessarily dress very modestly, which is another really big common point between the Christian trad wives and maybe like from Jewish content creators who like talk about their religious lives. So she sort of lives in this weird in-between of like not really being that from and like not really being that digestible for this like Christian audience. So, um, like, I'm trying to figure out the intersection of um, the Jewish and the... Because clearly this is something that operates, like you said, in a Christian context. But often there's a lot of bleed over into, um, 
you know, orthodoxy in general, especially more Haredi orthodoxy um, in various movements whenever you have something in the Christian world, especially in the evangelical world. Um, one example that I remember reading about was about the notion of like the surrendered wife. Do you know about this movement at all, Phoebe, Jesse? Um, no. There's this, um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but there was somebody who has this movement called the surrendered wife, which says that you're supposed to surrender all decisions to your husband. Um, and But ultimately, that's how you gain control of your marriage. And this became extremely popular in the Christian world, um, and that this bled over into Orthodox, uh, the Orthodox world as well. Um, you know, how much of this is just that there's these parallels of like, we both want to reject society, but we also want to be online. And so it makes sense for me as a Orthodox, well, not me personally, but whoever is, you know, in the Orthodox world saying, hey, I want to become a trad wife too, because this really fits into the type of thing that I do every day. And it gives my life meaning to say, I'm staying at home as a mom. Um, and so I'm going to join this movement. Right. Is is there something to just like this? It's a natural fit. And so like, let's make this happen. And and, and then for beyond that, how much of this is just like a trend? Like this is like in six months, are we going to be laughing about trad wives the same way that we laughed about anything else? Jersey Shore. Maybe. I think that when Jewish women are living these sort of like trad wife lives online uh, for other people's consumption, it's not necessarily a rejection of any sort of like way of living. Like Abby talks about being classic all the time, right? And she's like, for me, classic means tradition refined, it's elegance, it's rejecting the modern narrative of womanhood, whereas I think most like dyed in the wool from women aren't rejecting a modern narrative of womanhood. Mm-hmm. They're just living out the lives that they've like spent their whole I, I don't think that's true. I think that a lot of them are. I think if you look at a lot of the literature in the Orthodox world, especially in the Haredi Orthodox world, they're basically saying, right, um, you don't need Instagram. You don't need a smartphone, right? Hashem gave you all of this stuff. You don't need a career to feel fulfilled, right? You have you should just feel fulfilled with whatever it is that God gave you. Um, and and the inherent paradox in that is that even though they get this message, they're also told, and this is the same paradox, by the way, of these um, trad wives that are on Instagram and on TikTok, right? These Orthodox women are being told, you don't need these careers, you don't need modernity, and yet you have to go and get a job so that your husband can live and like learn Torah all day. Can I intervene on this? Please. A million, a million thoughts on this. So one is exactly like I had wondered about this, about the sort of whether I have this theory that the only sort of conceivable Jewish trad wife would be Baal Teshuvah, would be somebody who was sort of newly orthodox, newly observant, because precisely because it's not that it's just rejecting modernity, because it's always rejecting modernity, but it's like having personally been modern and rejecting that in your own life. So it's not that you're rejecting something that's out there, but that it's that you personally, like, so this trad wife, um, the influencer I talked about um, on a recent episode, who's a Christian trad wife, Estee Williams, I believe. Estee. Estee, okay. Isn't that just a fancy way of saying (laughs) Estee? Absolutely. Um, But yeah, so she had been like a sort of regular college girl. And then she, you know, dropped out of college to become a trad wife. And 
it seems like there is this element of it that is um, about rejecting something that you personally were going to do. But then the other aspect is that I really want to pick up on is what you say about the financial aspects, because I think those are really, really interesting and really get to why Jewish trad wives are maybe less of a thing. And what I, uh, so a couple things on that is, yes, there's this thing about Orthodox women being out in the world working while their husbands are studying, which you do not have any equivalent of in the Christian world. But then there's also this other sort of path that seems to exist for, I don't want to say only for Jewish women, because I don't think that's true, but there's just this big sort of movement of Jewish women pundits, sort of politically conservative Jewish women, such as Bethany Mandel, um, who recently went viral for um, stumbling over the uh, concept of wokeness in an interview. She's the co-author with another Jewish woman author of a book, uh, Stolen Youth, about um, how uh, progressives are ruining things for their the youth, per these authors. Anyway, and also um, when I was, I was tweeting about this and somebody replied, um, reminding me of the existence of the libs of TikTok woman, um, Chaya Rachik, is that right? Um, so basically there are a lot of uh, politically conservative Jewish women who, even if their lives are kind of, even if they have maybe a family, whatever, they're still, um, they're not in this trad wife role even if they're trad and wives. Yeah, but that same thing exists on the other side also. I mean, you have wives that are politically wives. You have sure. women, Jewish Orthodox women, that are politically liberal and outspoken politically liberal Jewish women mm -hmm. that are not trad wives in that way, even though they might be considered themselves. They say, I'm still cooking, I'm still doing my thing, right? I think that you have a lot of women that say, yes, I make my challah. I'm, I, you know, believe in a woman's right to have an abortion, but I also am, you know, uh, like doing my juggling with juggling this stuff right right so maybe to bring it back to the essential here i think it really is this about about not working outside the home or in this work from home era not working for pay and i think that that's performatively not work it's it's paradoxical like you say right because if you're an influencer you are even if you're not pay. being paid for it yet yeah, that's obviously in the cards and um but it's perf it's doing a performance of it's the man who earns the money and i don't know i jesse i don't know if you have thoughts on this but yeah like it seems like maybe that's more a thing in the christian world and less in the jewish world i don't right. know right well it's like the serena joy paradox right you know she like builds a career talking about how women should be this traditional cookie cutter whatever and then ends up being a wife right um i think it's like maybe harder to track into the jewish world because it's so expensive to be jewish and it's so hard to make money right now that I think it's pretty normal for even like Haredi women to have streams of income, like besides motherhood mm -hmm. um, and being an influencer or trying to be an influencer is one way of doing that. Um, but also if we're talking about conservative, like politically conservative Jewish women who work and have advanced degrees it's also pretty common for Haredi women and, and these women on TikTok who are like showing their lives, like these, it's mostly like Chabad women, right? Um, they often also have degrees and they do some work outside of the house. So it's not like, again, like they're not really rejecting anything. They're just sort of like living their lives. And it's very interesting to an audience. That's are not they, but are they, are they ever perform like, 
the, it seems to me, and I, I mean this in a completely non-derogatory way, that the trad wife in this sort of Christian model, it's sometimes a performance of being a, a bimbo a little bit, if that makes sense. Whereas like a bit of an airhead, even if the woman herself isn't that, it's like a performance of that. And it kind of fits in with the re- reclamation of bimbo that exists also in the culture. And I don't see that in the Jewish. If, if I could just interject just for a second as a clarification, my sense of the trad wife movement is more that like they're imitating women from the like 20s and teens and previous centuries and not the woman of the oh. 50s. Am I wrong or right? The, that comes that is at home doing That's the domestic really world and has a martini ready for her husband. Let's all weigh in on this because I have a million thoughts. <laughs> That's my you. sense of what it is. Yes. Is like It's more Jesse, calico think? and gingham and less um, having a martini ready with mules uh, on uh, while you know vacuuming in the afternoon. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> when you look at when you look at like the news articles and like the content that comes out about trad wives, you often see the women who embody this very 1950s aesthetic. They're the ones who are highlighted because it's very easy to put it into a category. And you think, wow, this is so weird. She looks like that and has this like perfect little neat little life, but that's such a particular aesthetic. And I, in my opinion, I think it's kind of geeky. It's like cosplay. Whereas like other content creators, like Mrs. Midwest, who's this like, blonde, long hair, very pretty, like blue collar husband, similar to Estee Williams, actually. Um, she, her sense of femininity is a lot more gingham and traditional and like prettier, but maybe like less digestible as traditional for... But, so but, not a pinup. I mean? But it doesn't really like... Yeah. What we're dancing around here, though, is that it's not about the era or the aesthetic, it's really about like having a wife be like submissive, having a wife saying that the era of women in the world is actually that's wrong. It doesn't matter what era you're from, because when we go and we find these people that dress up like in 1930s clothing, right? Which we say, oh, he dresses in suits and hats. And that's like not weird. It's just like quirky. We don't make like an entire movement out of people who wear fedoras, um, non-ironically. <laughs> well, not not in this non-ironically. way, but in other ways. In other ways, yeah. And then and the yes. same thing with the 50s. Like there's magazine that i've seen on news shelves newsstands and you guys all listeners all know my love for magazines called atomic ranch i don't know if you've ever seen this but it's like devoted to mid-century modern homes and furniture and people who restore them and who want to live in this like 1950s aesthetic like you said like home cosplay like of the 1950s we don't seem think that that's weird it's like quirky but as soon as you apply that to a woman who says i'm not gonna work right that's the problem and that's the weird well, so yeah. that's the weird part of when it hits the orthodox world because the orthodox world actually does i push back on what you said phoebe that actually goes and says we are rejecting modernity they're not just this is the way i lived my whole life this is they're actively told every day that you walk out in the street and oh, you no, see I, what the non-jews okay. are doing you see what those people are doing on this. no no but i think you what are I'm rejecting saying is that, modernity no, no, what, yeah what I was okay. Let me let me be clear. What I'm saying is that they're not they're not rejecting modernity that they personally in their own lives were living until they became more. I, I actually think that it's cases. there. It's actually modernity is in the like in the uh, borderlines yeah, yes, of all that, of their like, lives. But they're not saying they're not. Yes, that's different though from saying that they're born again, as it were. Right? Sure, possibly. That's what I, okay, but what I would say is I really do want to like keep returning to this sort of. Um, financial aspect of that because i think that really is key so another influencer who's coming to mind now is i don't know if either of you are familiar with ballerina farm i'm not familiar with any influencers please tell me about ballerina farm (laughs) i know from other sort of 
women journalists with children, um, not necessarily Jewish women and not necessarily Canadian women, but anyway, that this is a woman who has a very, very big Instagram where she uh, she's a former professional ballet dancer and now she has like many many children in the country somewhere um with her husband and she posts a lot of very calico yes videos of um a friend of mine recently sent me a message with a link to her to this woman's video of home they're they're homemaking bratwurst or something and it's really it's an odd video because also like there's a baby in the high chair being fed bits of cabbage but the high chair is like the same ikea standard issue high chair that we have and i'm thinking like that's not very trad but anyway um but the point is that she gets a lot of of uh pushback from the mixture of the traditional gender norms and the fact that she's kind of performing not having to work because i don't remember if she i think maybe her husband comes from a lot of money and like they're rich basically and so she can do whatever she wants she can put on calico she can put on you know lycra it doesn't matter she um she can afford to stay home and that there's this way that because things today are so expensive because most people Jewish or not have to work having one partner not have to work is you know signals luxury right isn't that part of it sure I mean I have another question about Jewish trad wives specifically and maybe I don't know if it's for let's take actually let's take a break um for a sponsor and then uh come back at us with that question During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Okay, we're back. Phoebe, you had a question. Yes. So a big part of the trad wife thing, and the reason it you know frequently makes the news, is that the women look a little sexy. Are the Jewish trad wives doing that at all, or is that only a classically Abby thing? I think it's really hard to sell a lifestyle if you don't make it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, are the Jewish women sexy? I don't know like if full audiences would agree, but I think oftentimes the ones who are very popular on social media are still very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm maybe within like a very sinuous context, but mm-hmm. they put a lot of effort in, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, yeah, like I said, like it's, it's hard to sell a lifestyle like that if it's not beautiful. There are like Jewish women influencers, like Miriam, I forget her name. Um, as she's the labor and delivery nurse on TikTok, and she's always explaining these things about her life. She's maybe not a good trad wife because she works outside the home as a nurse, but she's talking about her how traditional her life is it's also very like granola and like you know there's toys on the floor and there's cereal on the counter and you know i think maybe a lot like bethany mandel if you look at like any of the stuff that she posts about her real life it's very unglamorous and like undone 
it, it sounds to me as if the, and maybe Jesse, you can help me out here uh, by explaining what I mean by this to Phoebe, who probably is going to get uh, the biggest, the most blankest stare from what I'm about to say. Trad wife is the polar opposite of the hot honey. Opposite of the for, for the listeners, the, my face was, I have no idea what And Jesse was like, what? Maybe? I got to unpack this? So maybe explain to, the, to Phoebe <laughs> what I might mean by that. Uh, what's a hot khani or what used to be this term? <laughs> a hot khani is like a from woman who is like totally sneeous. You know, she has her shades all, but it's like down to her butt. Um, she's wearing the tightest dress, maybe like an Hervé Léger bandage skirt, like very high heels, tights, like jewelry, makeup, eyelashes. Like she is done up, like like beautiful. Hasn't cooked a Shabbos totally. meal since she's been but, married. Yeah, it leaves nothing to the imagination, you know? Okay. Um, I'm picturing, yeah, so there's, so that could be... So that does exist, because I guess... And they're I very socially orthodox, seen, meaning they have Cholent yeah. and Kugel at Shabbos, and they go to Pesach programs, and they're, like, they go to Shul, and they I daven, see. but, like, people poke fun at them because they're, like, you're following the rules, and you're not really following the, like, the, the sense or the, the general, like, vibe of what orthodoxy is supposed to be like. And so in that sense, it's very social mm-hmm. orthodoxy in that you know that you have to cover your knee and you have to wear a shaitol, but you've decided that you would rather be like in Soho. And so you're going to dress that part while still maintaining your like mm-hmm. five towns in New York or Miami Beach community. And so trad tradwife seems like this pushback against it. And they're like, I don't have to be a tra- I don't have to be unattractive, but uh, I'm going to go back to a, a simpler time Right when I had didn't have to do this like crazy fashion, you know, life mm. that other people do. I don't know. To me, these seem very similar, actually. Yeah, but I don't know if these are polar opposites. To me, these seem very, very related because this idea of that you're, you're. No, but these people are not. These women are not yeah. traditional in any way. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they'll but get. They are. They're, they'll get takeout for every. In the outside, in the outside, for the, for the outside world, they are. Yeah. They're not necessarily stay-at-home moms. They're not necessarily like uh, doing cooking everything at home. They might be doing a full takeout for Shabbat. That's what I was trying to get at, right? They're. F- but that, that they're doing any sort of Shabbat at all. Yeah. So that's what's interesting. That's where I'm else. confused on the whole yeah. tradwives things. I see. But but this like this really, if I can transition this point, because I think bringing in the fashion thing is really. Uh, I want to. I want to. Mm-hmm. Get to this Vogue article, which I thought was like, um, you know, so, so, so bad um, on so many levels, not because. Oh my, yeah, Jesse's like, what? What? I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. So I'll give you, wait, I want to hear. Okay, so just to, to summarize. So this was an article in Vogue by, um, what's the name of the author? Maddie Kahn. Maddie Kahn. Maddie Kahn. Maddie Kahn, who it sounds like she had this idea in her head that this is the new fashion trend, and she decided to write it up and have a bunch of examples about what um, what is going on in the fashion that's, world today trend, with longer, with longer yes. skirts and covering, you know, wearing silk scarves or something like that, and showing all these examples of all these, like, fashion influencers and models and famous people wearing these type of clothing and attaching it to this like Torah teacher aesthetic, which is what she called it. And, um, in that sense, like, you know, I, what did we call it before Moracore, right? Which is like a much better like definition of it. 
but the problem that I had with it was that it was a bunch of isolated like elements. It was like, oh, here's a woman wearing a tank top, but she's wearing a long skirt, so that's Torah teacher aesthetic. And here's a woman wearing like a crew neck, um, but she's no. She addresses this. She addresses this. But this like there's. But I'm saying that like it's not really a trend if you're saying that like oh there's this person who wears all of these things, but we're gonna break out these elements and I'm gonna show you that this is in fashion. And the fact is is that we're just in a looser fashion aesthetic right now. Men are wearing pleated pants as opposed to flat fronts again and they're wearing an oversized like hoodie instead of something that's super fitted and that just fits in with the longer skirts and pants under the skirts and or like you know whatever else it might be and i'm like this is a fake trend that isn't really there please please push back this was not an article written for you (laughs) tell me why i'm wrong please okay so this is an article from a very specific woman's perspective a woman who grew up in that world right with a jewish teacher i I grew up in that world right okay no no let me finish my thought let me finish my thought so she's pushing back as a presumably more secular now uh jewish woman who if i i'm just going to sort of make a few assumptions here there's something where if you're jewish and a woman and you associate certain outfits with being orthodox and you're not orthodox yourself and you wear these outfits, you get this, there's this awkward feeling of the world perceives you as being an Orthodox woman suddenly because you look Jewish and you're in this Orthodox looking outfit. And I think that that has meant that a lot of women, I would maybe include myself, although I don't really think about it that much, feel like have a different relationship to like a long denim skirt, say, than would any other woman who does not um, look like she would immediately read as orthodox if she put on a long denim skirt. And I think that this is precisely the article is about these being elements and not being a full look. And there's one part I want to quote um, where somebody she's uh, interviewing uh, is somebody, Carl Mayer. I don't remember the first name. Anyway, so I'm quoting from the article now. One recent morning, Carl Mayer slipped into a long turtleneck dress from her own line, so as a fashion designer, and paired it with her usual loafers. With flats, the effect was costume-like, quote, full Hasidic, end quote. Uh, but when she swapped in a pair of tall leather boots, it, quote, crossed, the, crossed over into modest chic, end quote. So this is something that's been going on in fashion for a while, this idea of borrowing from you know more traditionalist um traditions for lack of a better term and this came up with um the prairie dresses by which are actually also based on uh, you know like so the fashion designer um, batsheva hey i think she actually went Mm -hmm. to my high school um and i don't remember her wearing any prairie dresses then but um i think there is something where an outfit precisely as you're saying if it's the elements it's borrowing from a tradition otherwise it seems like you're dressing up as the thing which is confusing for people if you are not that thing yeah and i'm not i've never confused by this right i can tell you that you can have two women one who is orthodox and wears these clothes all the time and the exact same outfit could be worn by somebody who isn't orthodox and you can tell a mile apart who is the one that is orthodox untrue I have if you're sorry if you're from the inside of that community no 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 wait a second I was at a fabric store on Queen West with my daughter like last summer happened to be wearing one of these prairie dresses and definitely legitimately orthodox women thought I was one of them 
Ooh, I don't know. I rest my case. Maybe. I, mean, <laughs> I, I just remember, I mean, the example that I used to get confused about, and I, Jesse, I want you to weigh in on this, please, was that I remember uh, when I was in university, so it was like the mid to late 90s, and long skirts were a thing amongst certain, like, you know, segments of the population and i remember being confused like you'd see somebody from behind wearing a very long denim skirt and stick straight hair which was the fashion at the time and i couldn't figure out um if they were orthodox and then i would just walk ahead and turn around and look at them and i was like oh no no they're not right and because this was like the same fashion aesthetic exactly but they wore it so differently and you didn't even have to see their faces to to understand that that's where it was coming from the same way that i was talking about hats before right i'm an i'm what i would like to think think is an unironic hat wearer uh, i happen to like hats but when somebody is wearing a fedora and doesn't really like come at it you know as oh, i've decided to wear a fedora and i'm going to do this and i'm twee and it it's so like noticeable from a mile away and that's what this whole article was giving me vibes of like trying to convince me that the people that are pulling elements out of this like thing um have some affinity for it i'm, I'm done jesse please tell me how wrong i am also <laughs> I don't think the point she was trying to make in the article is that people are trying to emulate purposefully the Torah teacher aesthetic. I think it's more for women like her. She also interviews Leandra Medine, who she went to high school with at Ramaz, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she's talking about how like she spent her whole childhood looking this way and feeling really schlubby and not pretty and then how out of body it is to see it now as like a adult in the street. It doesn't really need to dress like that anymore. Seeing people pulling the, not even like the prettiest parts about it. They're doing the leggings, the cropped leggings under the skirt and the, and the hoodies and the mismatching. Cause that's what's in right now. It's very like, but but that's, my, but that's my point. I think that there are, there are archetypes in fashion. There are archetypal, pieces and these pieces are always around and they get repurposed every few years in a different way and it has nothing to do with like you know x movement right i can go and say that we're in a new preppy movement because we're in the 90s and the 90s were a rehashing of 1950s you know uh preppy trends but in a more louder streetwear aesthetic i don't think we're in a a nouveau prep world right now of fashion right i think that we're just you know we're recycling x right and the same thing happens right the torah teacher aesthetic to use this example of orthodox women only are drawing on a very limited palette because in their minds this is what they have to be able to work with and so they're the ones pulling out pieces that are always archetypal in america i think it's the reverse right to me the the story is about how torah teacher moracor whatever it is are the ones that are pulling classic americana pieces and repurposing them for their own modest quote-unquote uh, but can't it, why is it either or? Why why can't both? I'm of saying these it comes at, at the same time. They could be, but I'm saying that the that it's not one way. I think it's actually the other direction. Um, that's that's my sense of it. But like, yeah, I I think I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. fashion. I think I I think of fashion always as being like whatever has seemed ugly and like out of fashion or whatever the worst thing for the longest time suddenly like pleated pants that was the least cool thing. It becomes in fashion the moment fashionable people just sort of embrace it right whatever wasn't cool becomes cool like the ugliest thing becomes the pretty thing is kind of how it goes in fashion so i think what this is about is a very specific reaction that certain jewish women have to these specific types of outfits i don't think it was saying that this is a a broader trend that is registering as torah teacher aesthetic to the world i think it's saying that this is a this is a story about jewish women who see these clothes that they thought of as 
unappealing in which they associated with an orthodoxy that they do not identify with. And then, um, the, and it's it's also about almost like these cultural appropriation stories where, you know, something that the people who are members of the group feel they were um, marginalized for doing um, then becomes high fashion when like whichever um, Kardashian embraces it. Um, it's a little like that, maybe. I don't know if there's any anything to that. Like seeing see what it what it feels like to see the fashion world slash the mainstream world embrace the thing that um comes from your world but again i don't think that they're embracing i think that they're just pulling things from but that's the world it that's exactly fa- what yeah. i mean that ah. i don't know i'm saying that I, like the yeah. the orthodox world is drawing from this general pool of things and the fashion world is drawing from the general pool of things and it just happens to be that for the past couple of months right they're they're pulling the same pieces even though the orthodox world has always been pulling these pieces and and there are two types of orthodox dressers right because the same torah teachers that we always knew who the fashionable torah teacher was i I went to an all-boys school so i didn't have uh women as torah teachers but just to like get into it like you know who the fashionable dresser is even though they're drawing on the same palette of like suits and ties or long skirts and you know there's the dresser and there's the hot honey right to 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 go back to what we were saying before and the fact is that um within whatever culture we have right the what this author is pointing out is let's take the frumpy ones not even the, the the interesting dressing ones the ones that are dressing purely for practical purposes and pull out their thing and say oh you see everybody's doing this right now right you could say the same exact thing about gorpcore right gorpcore is the other like huge fashion trend right now jesse are you a gorpcore uh, aficionado absolutely not i've never heard You've of never it heard. so gorp gorp is that thing that they use uh good old raisins and peanuts it's like trail mix and it's the term that they that people are have been using to describe the fact that like when you buy almost all your clothes at like mech at like mountain equipment co-op or outdoor stores and wear like strappy sandals as if you're going out for a hike but this is the height of fashion right now right and hiking people would tell you i'm not being fashionable i'm just being practical and dressing like in my arcteryx because that's what works for whatever hike or outdoor activity i'm going to do and it's not my problem it's not i have nothing to do with the fact that you have made this into an aesthetic right totally independent of me Right. What I'm trying to point out is that the Orthodox world has zero to do with this fashion trend that's going arguing, on right now. Avi, I think you're arguing with an article that isn't there. I think you're arguing with something that's not in the article. Okay. Because she's not arguing okay. that she's identifying this trend as something that is exists in the Orthodox world, and I'm like, you're just trying to create something, some buzz. Mm, I think I think you're arguing not with something the Orthodox that's not world. there. She's just yeah. recognizing the pattern between like. She's saying she's saying that Gorpcore. It's a personal essay. Okay, let me rephrase this. It's a personal essay more than it's a fashion piece in a lot of ways, and I think you're interpreting it as a fashion piece. And I'm maybe it is in Vogue. Vogue does not only (laughs) publish fashion pieces, and this is it's about fashion. It's not off topic, but it's a personal reflection on things that are in fashion. And she's thinking about the relationship that Jewish women have. To fashion, one thing I would say just to push back on a little is like this idea of the frumpy versus less frumpy uh, mora core. From the perspective of somebody who's not in that world, it all looks frumpy. It does. It, it looks conservative. It looks. It looks like you're not trying to look sexy. There are no short skirts. There are no low cut tops. You know, the like it's all. Gonna, it's all. 
the one thing yeah. I would push back, and I think that we're, I'll give Jesse the last word, but, but the one thing I will say about this is that um, I think that the ones that do it well um, tend to go a lot more unnoticed because they're a lot less frumpy, even though they are mm-hmm. wearing those types of things. You don't notice it nearly as much. I see. That's that would be my my sense of it, Jesse. Sure. I have a couple of things to say about that. One is that I think that you're coming from this perspective where your eyes are very trained. You obviously specifically are coming from this perspective where your eyes are very like trained on people who just look like this because this is what you see all the time and this is Thank what you've you. seen for your entire life. Whereas like outside consumers, especially middle America, whoever see that and they think, "Wow, that is so ugly and weird." So there is actually something a little bit like revolutionary about wearing the midi gorp core skirt or something, you know, like the I, like the Adidas type legging skirt or something. The oh, wait, other just, oh sorry, just a quick question about the gorp core. Does this have anything to do with like a modern Orthodox Zionist? No, gorp core is not look? Jewish at all. No, but I'm saying if it does it ever have, but like for. Anyway, whatever. Maybe a, another episode. Yes. There's definitely something to be said about the intersection between like modern orthodoxy and like wearing your best hiking sandals on Shabbos. You know, I think that's with absolutely socks. because you shouldn't with socks, you shouldn't yeah. have no socks in shul. Absolutely. Yeah. The 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 um, religious Zionist is like total total has been like gorp core for decades. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's what I'm absolutely yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But the the last thing I was going to say, kind of like tying it with the trad wives and the gorp core, is that I think a lot of this has to do with the like Gen Z slash like marketing obsession with labels, where everything has to be an aesthetic and like everything has to be easily put into a category because if you can easily put it into a category, you can sell it as such. The coastal grandmother it. aesthetic. It's like the coastal grandmother aesthetic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like back in my day, that was just Eileen Fisher. Yes. Or Chico's. But now it's, it's much easier to like put everything into these like little categories and like you can nitpick what is and what isn't, but you know, you're not really making decisions. I I think, yeah, I, I, as much as I like to think that I have, uh, enough knowledge of like fashion in general because i don't just like read up on menswear but i read up on fashion in general i'm starting to realize that like there are corners of the women's fashions world that i have zero like knowledge about even though i i thought i did and that's this is maybe like i the these micro trends in the in the male world are like i'm all over them even though i'm not doing them i'm like aware of like all of these little bits but dress up in your nicest however you want to define mora core or gorp core or religious zionist <laughs> core or um what's what other latest trends are like if like in shul in la these days hot khani core absolutely <laughs> that's my plan for later today full hot khani core i'm gonna um, try to put that together i would love I to see that zero, okay i think i have zero in my closet that would um that would fit that aesthetic but let's uh, let's go shopping sometime um <laughs> jesse will you stick around and uh do a nachos with us absolutely excellent so uh let's uh do that right after we hear from our sponsor Are you in the market for a new watch or a special piece of jewelry? Are you looking for the perfect engagement ring to pop the question? Atelier Lou has all this and more. Eric and the team at Atelier Lou can craft a piece for you, or you can select from some of the exclusive designers that they offer. From a simple bangle to a statement necklace, Atelier Lou can make you or your loved ones sparkle. 
Located in the heart of Westmount in Montreal or online at atelierlou.com, visit Atelier Lou for your next watch or jewelry purchase. And when you do, make sure to use promo code BON18 for 10% off your next purchase. That's atelierlou.com. Phoebe, what's your nachas? Well, my nachas is going to be the reinstated 504C bus in Toronto. This had been gone for a year, many months, I'm not sure, but there's now a bus that goes up and down the main street where I live, and I have never been happier about anything in my life. It means that I can bring my four-year-old to dance class in an easy way. It means that I could just run errands whenever I have to without having to walk the whole way. I am so happy the bus is back. Thank you, powers that be in Toronto, for reinstating the bus. It's actually it's a streetcar route. The streetcar itself will probably arrive in about the year three thousand, and when it does, that's great too. Um, so I'm I'm doing a gratitude for the simple things in life, namely our local bus. Jesse, what's your nachas? My nachas today is for Gwyneth Paltrow, who is having a media moment for her. <laughs> um, fun little cleansing diet where she only eats coffee and bone broth. I think that's so much fun. I'm really happy for her. Um, and I hope to follow her example. But she's also, she's also, I thought she was having another moment where she hit somebody while skiing and is on. Or maybe they hit her. Right. Or maybe they hit her. So she's having two. She's, she's doing um, two for the price of one. Yeah, absolutely. As a frame of reference, um, Gwyneth Paltrow, like that look, Right, but Orthodox—that's hot, honey. No, no, uh, not at all. Or it used to be former, former pre, like pre Goop Gwyneth Paltrow. She's very coastal grandmother now. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like she's more coastal grandmother. But I can actually tie all of this together, which is that when I go for the coastal grandmother look, I just look Orthodox. Anyway, fair enough. (laughs) What is bone broth? Is it just bone broth broth that has no spices? Okay. It's just b- broth without spices. Bone broth is chicken what soup is that they sell you for twenty dollars. You never put a stock pot on the on the stovetop, filled it with bones, and let your whole house smell horrible for twelve hours. I've done that in the instant pot, but I don't understand why adding like some herbs or whatever makes it not a diet food for Gwyneth Paltrow and the like. It's stock. That's all it is. It's fancy stock. All right. Well, good for Gwyneth. Good for coastal grandmother Gwyneth. My office, to close this out, um, is a novel that I saw in the library yesterday, and I couldn't believe that this had escaped my attention when it came out last year, um, but it has no longer. I uh, cannot wait to open this up uh, because the premise seems great. It is a book called Schmutz. It's a novel called Schmutz by Felicia Berliner. Um, Phoebe, have you heard of this novel, Jesse? I have heard, heard of it. Okay. I have not read it. So the premise of the novel is about a uh, Hasidic individual who becomes um, obsessed with pornography online. The interesting and you would think, oh, okay, great, yeah, whatever. The interesting twist is that it's a Hasidic woman. It's a young Hasidic woman and it ends up, she, she ends up like apparently petrified by it, ruining her chances of getting married. Um, but I really like this idea that like, you know, it's not just men that can have a pornography addiction or that are interested in pornography and here is a Hasidic woman that all of a sudden a Hasidic girl, right? She's a teen girl and that's the premise of the novel. Uh, I will report back when I finish it, but I have a feeling that it'll be done within 24 to 48 hours. Jesse, this was fabulous to have you on here. Phoebe, great show as always. Thanks for being here. Um, This was a lot of fun. 
Thank you for listening to Bozher Chai for the week ending March 25th, Shabbat Parashat Vayikra. The show is produced and edited by Zach Kaufman. The executive producer for CJN Podcast is Michael Freeman. Our music is by SoCalled. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. You can listen to all our past episodes on our page at thecjn.ca slash bonjour, and you can subscribe to the podcast and automatically receive all episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We really would love it if you told a friend about Bonjour Chai. It's one of the best ways we get new listeners. As always, you can email us with comments. We would love to hear what you thought. Email us at bonjour at thecjn.ca. I'm Avi Feingold. And I'm Phoebe Maltz-Bovey. And I'm Jesse Martin-Miller. 